everyone. Welcome to Games Are Fun. My name is Adam Beagle, and I'm going to be your host for this episode. Uh, only one of my co-hosts bothered to show up this week. It seems like every every week the roster gets smaller and smaller. But Stephen, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me this evening. Yeah, not a problem. Glad to be How's here, and hopefully Luke and Garrett can uh, make the return very soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, like I said, it's just uh, what was it? We had a couple weeks ago the four of us, and then last week it was me, you, and Luke, and now it's just me and you. So uh, at this rate, I'm figuring by next week it'll be just me. But yeah, we'll, we'll be see. the only host. <laughs> <laughs> this is my show now. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So before we get started with the show, I just want to remind everybody that Games Are Fun is a weekly podcast. Uh, each week, Luke, Garrett, when they decide to show up. Uh, Steven and myself, we get together and talk about video game news, trending industry topics, and we give reviews on recent game releases and, you know, talk about what we've been playing. Uh, the podcast is available on pretty much every major podcast service. So whichever one is your favorite, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, and plenty more. So uh, all you have to do is just search for games or fun on, on whichever one you use, and you should be able to find us. Uh, you can also find video versions of most episodes or most recent episodes on the Games Are Fun YouTube page. So please make sure to go give that a follow uh, so you can, you know, put our faces to these these episodes. Now, this week's episode, it's, it's audio only. Uh, so this one won't be on YouTube. It'll just be on your favorite podcast service. But uh, occasionally you can also catch the show live, uh, which we put on twitch.tv slash games are fun podcast so also make sure to give us a follow there on twitch so that you can catch those uh, we will keep you all updated on the upcoming live episodes uh, and any game nights that we have and we'll keep you up to date on those via twitter and the games are fun discord so make sure that you're following us on twitter and uh, make sure to join our discord for the latest information uh, and as I mentioned earlier, usually we have those live episodes. Well, any live episodes we do, we end up putting on YouTube. Uh, but occasionally we'll have video versions of the show that weren't live that we will put up onto YouTube. So, again, just make sure that you're subscribed to that channel so you can uh, see those videos when they go up. And uh, just a little bit of housekeeping here. So next week... We should have some more live content for you. I know we've been promising this to you guys for a little while now, uh, but the Games Are Fun Twitch channel should be seeing some additional activity next week, which should be a lot of fun. We'll probably have a live episode next week, maybe a game night or two where some of us get together and play some uh, party games or just some stuff online. I think Luke's planning on doing some solo streams on the channel, so... Uh, should be should be a decent amount of content there for you all. So make sure again, that's twitch.tv slash games are fun podcast. So uh, that's all the housekeeping. Just did a uh, quick rundown of everything. We got a big show here. Got lots to talk about. Uh, the biggest story, of course, is going to be a recap of the Final Fantasy 14 6.0 announcement. Uh, we're also going to be talking a little bit about uh, the return of E3 this year. There's been a uh, hint of the us possibly learning the fate of Anthem coming up here real soon. And uh, some new additional uh, continuing bad news from CD Projekt Red. So we're going to touch base on all that stuff. 
Uh, again, the uh, the biggest news here is the Final Fantasy XIV 6.0 announcement. There was a live stream that Square Enix ran uh, last Friday. Which had a ton of information all about 6.0, which looks fantastic. Um, I'm going to run down through some key points here, Stephen, and then we can kind of dig into whichever topics we feel most passionate about. Sure thing. Uh, but essentially, 6.0 is titled Endwalker. This is going to launch in fall 2021. It's going to wrap up the Heidelin Zodiac conflict storyline that we've had since uh, 2.0, which was A Realm Reborn. Maybe even 1.0. I, I don't know if they included or if that was part of 1.0 at all, but definitely from 2.0 on. Uh, this won't be the last expansion, though. So even though it's wrapping up that storyline, it's not going to be the last expansion. There will be new expansions to follow that will have fresh stories Um and those will be obviously released later on. So uh, big topics here to cover. There's going to be some new job classes, uh, character level increase, some new areas to visit, uh, data center travel. Uh, probably what's maybe my favorite. I can't wait to dig into this a little bit more is the Island Sanctuary and PS5 version. Uh, so, yeah, so there's the big key points here. There's obviously more to each of those points. So, um First of all, let me get your thoughts. You're the big Final Fantasy XIV guy here. Uh, tell me what you think about this. Well, <clears throat> along with everybody else that plays the game, I'm I'm ready for this. Uh, we, you know, I did a live broadcast, kind of co-streamed uh, the event uh, with my community over on uh, Lordly King S on Twitch, and we uh, there was just so many good good hype moments. The job class uh, Sage that they announced with the mm -hmm. gameplay was was a big deal as well. Um, I know a lot of the community are like, I'm. That's first thing they're going to, is to get that job class unlocked and be able to use it through the new story coming out in the fall. Um, but yeah, this Heidelin and Zodiac is a 2.0 storyline. It didn't take place in 1.0. 1.0 was something completely different, and then everything revived into what we've got going on now. And then yes, you the this isn't the last expansion. Uh, basically, what we're looking at is everything through 6.0 will have to do with wrapping up this this major story arc that's been going on since since the Realm Reborn, um, and then starting in 6.1, they will begin to introduce the new storyline. So the next patch after release of the expansion will have all of the the whatever the new story is going to be. Um, me personally, I know you said Island Sanctuary, which the details are starting to trickle out about that. It's basically going to be an Animal Crossing in Final Fantasy. Mm -hmm. um, fully a single-player mode type of deal. You're not going to have a whole lot of... Uh, uh, what did, how did they word it? You're going to have limited contact with other players because this is primarily going to be like a one-player gig. Um, but it's everything that you can imagine from it, from being able to farm and fish and mess around in, on the island to um, letting your minions run about and uh, have them, I think, even perform tasks while they're on the island with you, too. So there's some, some pretty cool stuff coming out about that. Me personally, Adam, um, data center travel is a big deal, like really big deal. As a streamer of Final Fantasy XIV, you tend to have a lot of people from different data centers come in to visit and chat and have fun with the group and stuff, but they can never really come in and play, and I love playing with my community members. And this is offering us the opportunity to finally make that happen without having to level up, level up all players, you know, alternative alternative characters. Uh, all that stuff kind of gets wiped away. And now 
you know, my friends from different data centers and my community members from different data centers are going to just be able to swap over, come play some Final Fantasy with me, and it's going to be fantastic. Like, it's a, it's a very exciting addition to the game, and I'm glad that they put a focus and made it happen for us. It's a, it's a big quality of life change for us. Yeah, that is definitely, definitely a big thing. Now, do we know yet? Now, so there's different regions, and then just to mm -hmm. kind of break it down for people that don't know, there's regions. So we have uh, North America, we have UK, and uh asia slash japan i believe it is and then within those regions there are data centers so uh there's ether um gosh what are what are the other ones i'm, I'm blanking crystal on primal lights like there's a lot of different ones and all of those data centers uh, which in whichever region is going to be able to have this cross data center uh travel so it's going to be opened up literally to the entire world uh, from one end to the other, players from any one of those things are going to be able to come into whatever data center they want to play with their friends. So it is confirmed that people will be able to, to visit, say, a, that are currently in a data center centered in the UK, they will be able to visit data centers in the US. That's right. So, and the one thing, it's, awesome. it's funny too, because the... You know, of course, memes start coming out on things with this. And one of the funny memes that's out there is because Japanese players are a, are a uh, they're special at this game. They've got strategies and things along those lines that kind of take them up a tier a lot of times above the players in the West. And there's a lot of memes running around about how, oh, here come all of us from the West piling into these Japanese servers and mucking up the place with our <laughs> with our casual play. And it's not even casual sort of thing. They're just really good. So there's stuff, there's stuff popping up around that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be... Um, Everybody, everybody's going to get to go everywhere. It's going to be pretty fantastic. What I'm anxious to see, and I haven't seen any details on, is how they're going to handle Party Finder. Um, Party Finder is the game, in-built in game uh, section where you basically can throw up and throw up onto the board and say, listen, I'm looking for people to join my party to go take on this piece of content. Um, it, goes, it goes data center-wide for now. And I'm wondering if... A new version of Party Finder is going to be coming our way, where it's going to, you know, basically be worldwide. Like, hey, I'm, you know, you pop this up, and you're going to have people from from Europe or people from from Asia popping into your party to go in and do do the battle uh, with you or something like that. I'm I'm anxious to see how that works out because that's going to be a huge influx of new skill, new play, you know, people that you're not used to playing with, things like that. Because you kind of get used to who you're uh, who you're playing with through party finder especially whenever you're getting to what's called like a, a mount farming party and a lot of the same people tend to jump into your parties with that so you're just going to get this influx or I'm, I'm imagining you're going to get an influx of of new faces basically that are going to come in with you uh, to do these things which is going to be again just another exciting piece to this uh, awesome piece to this update yeah and you got to hope too that this will also increase the the pool of players that you can draw from when you're trying to do say like your daily roulettes or uh, just trying to get into a, trying to run a dungeon or something like that, that this will pull from other players that are also trying to get in, maybe driving down those queue times. Because if you, if you're maybe solely a DPS or it's your favorite class, or you're trying to level it up, it may be, it might be a little hard for people to get in right now uh, into some of these or not hard, but just maybe time consuming. You might have to wait a little while before you can get a group to go and complete that that mission, that duty, that dungeon, whatever it might be. And so you have to hope that this is going to bring a, a new pool of players to drive that queue time down. Yeah, the you know, with an, with each expansion, you're going to have that anyway. So like just from, 
you know, more people coming back to the game after taking a break after they complete uh, the base expansion of a game of Final Fantasy, something like that. Because what will happen is population dips off once they complete the main storyline, right? Um, so you kind of have an influx of more people coming in to play their characters whenever a new expansion comes in, and that can reduce queue times. Now we're talking like, you're right, like, are we going to see instead of maybe like 20, 30 minute queue times between patches, are we going to see that brought down for DPS to something like 5, 10 minutes like you would get for one of the more uh, in-demand uh, classes like a, like a healer or a tank or something like that? It's going to be exciting. It's a big piece. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, that'll be awesome. Data center travel. And it's funny because, you know, I, I know it's something that as you've been streaming and as you've had these friends come into the community and say, like, oh, I'm on uh, I'm on this such and such data center and haven't been able to play with them. It's been sort of a a, uh, a, v- a very recent topic of conversation that's come up a lot. And, mm-hmm. and like you said, sometimes they make alternative characters that they can bring into uh, your data center and they can pop in and say hello and and so it's it's very timely news considering that this has been such uh you know I, i'm sure the the community at large this has been a a pretty hot topic but it's just kind of funny that um you know it's been something you've been really saying that you want to show up in the game and now here it's on its way so <laughs> yep i do those what goofy else? bring in the just chatting and like square I know you're not watching my stream, but please listen. Give us the cross status center. Well, here it is. You know, it's uh, it's great to have it. Well, there you have it. Yoshi P was clearly lurking in your chat, and he heard mm-hmm. your cry, Must and he's he's giving you what you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, we talked a little bit about Island Sanctuary, mm-hmm. data center travel. I want to talk a little bit about the new job class. So, one of them sure. they didn't announce. They're waiting until the the live event in May to release that one, which all we know so far is that it's going to be a melee DPS class, mm-hmm. which is exciting. Uh, melee DPS has been uh, largely my favorite go-to um, set of classes. I, I like doing melee DPS and not having the, the anxiety of being the team tank. So I'm looking forward to that. I really want to know what it is. But we did get an announcement with gameplay of one of the new classes, which is going to be Sage. And... This is a healer class, but it's not your traditional healer. It's uh, shield-based. So you're going to be producing shields for your teammates rather than doing direct direct healing, uh, HP um, regeneration, and that sort of thing. And the, uh, the, the gameplay style for it is, is uh, very interesting because it, it, it has sort of a DPS feel to it, but it is being classified as a healer. Um, and it's for me like I've never leveled a healer in the game, but when I saw this and and saw that it was healer, I'm like, you know what? This is it. This is going to be the first healer that I level. And uh, as of right now, yeah, I am fully prepared to flock directly to that class once this launches. But maybe the melee DPS will will sway that decision. We'll have to wait and see. But yeah, uh, give me your thoughts on the sage. Yeah, so the sage, as you mentioned, is going to be a shield type, which means that basically what it does in, along with doing healing magics, it's going to apply mitigations to the party to help them deal with damage coming in. So it's going to reduce damage while also healing it at the same time. Uh, current versions of that would be something like the Scholar and Astrologian, right? Which the Astrologian's getting overhaul in 6.0 as well to make room for this coming in as a shield healer. Uh, and like you, there's a lot of folks that are really excited about this where there's going to be a big influx, influx of sages into the game because of how cool this this class looks 
it's got a specific to Final Fantasy fourteen weapon. Um, and this thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna botch the pronunciation just like I do everything else. I think it's mm-hmm. called a no no lith. Is that is that what it is? Mm, the no lith. Sure. The no lith with it sounds the, right. I, I think that's about it. It's these four blade type weapons that kind of hover around the sage and perform attacks. Uh, the sage will uh, concentrate their aether through these through these weapons to do the healing and the and the barriers and things along those lines. Looks really interesting. I'm not a healer myself. I've never really enjoyed the class, so like I can't really say for sure. But I know that um, with this coming in. We were all expecting chemist, so this was like mm-hmm. a out of left field yeah. um, healer class for us. And and there's uh, people in my community that have changed their free company names to uh, <laughs> basically accommodate the fact that a whole bunch of them are turning into sages. Uh, it's it's just a it's kind of this big deal right now, and it's everybody's excited. Everybody forgot about chemists. They're like, oh, psh, who needs yeah. it? Right? What's a chemist? <laughs> yep, exactly. Uh, so it's kind of interesting too because uh, for Shadowbringers 5.0 expansion, they introduced the Gunbreaker, which is a tank class, but it has a very DPS feel to it. So I think it's interesting that they're sort of taking you know they they see that there's a very large pool of DPS players, and they're finding ways to sort of incorporate that dps lifestyle into these other roles like tank and then now healer so Mm -hmm. uh really interesting you know sort of sort of take on those you know classic archetypes that's going to be really interesting to see yeah so like the the one thing too uh and that and that comes along with rating so in there is high-end rating in final fantasy so like your um your healers along with keeping the party alive also have an expectation to do damage while they're while they're taking care of business, keeping people up. Um, so this is kind of a I see this as a reflection of you know uh, Yoshi P and the and the developing de- development team seeing this kind of situation occur where even tanks and healers are are um, within these high end raids super pros. You're never going to see this for me, but the super pros pretty much require that tanks and healers also produce a certain amount of DPS during these battles. And you can kind of see through Gunbreaker and now through the Sage, that is coming to life built into the class itself versus kind of like uh, do everything you can with what you've got that we have in these other other healing classes at this time. So it's a, um, I think it's a good reflection on them. Again, just watching the community, seeing what the demands are and kind of building something up for us that fits that demand. Um, they're smart. They're really smart dev team over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They made some really great changes. So I have no reason to believe that, you know, there, it, there's going to be much negativity to come along with this one. But uh, in addition to that, speaking of, of potential negativity, the one thing that the, you know, a little bit of a double edged sword here. So along with the new expansion, there is going to be a character level increase. As of right now, the max is 80. On 6.0, the max is going to be 90. But. Along with that, they are going to be downscaling some of the some of the numbers that you're used to seeing. So some of those high damage numbers, those high HP numbers uh, that we're kind of used to seeing at this point, they're going to be downscaling those. And I believe it's mostly for levels 80 and below. And those levels 80 to 90 are still going to feel that you know really strong and have those really high numbers. But 80 and below are going to be taking a little bit. Uh, I think specifically between 50 and 80 are going to be taking a bit of a hit. You're going to see less damage. You're going to see less numbers. Um, ultimately, because the the algorithms that they have, the, the math that's going on behind the scenes, 
is is too much. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. creating too much stress and they're not able to calculate properly or rather I should say the trajectory that it's going, they will no longer be able to calculate properly and it will essentially start resetting values. So they really have no choice but to scale it back, at least for now. Maybe eventually they find a fix for it. But uh, with 6.0, there is going to be some downscaling. But the flip side of that, we do get a level increase. So it should be interesting to see how that all works. Yeah, it's more of like a relativity thing. So like, right. you're still going to be as powerful. You're still going to be... Um you know, as strong as what you normally are going into certain battles between that 50 to 80 range. It's just that they're taking some zeros off. And like you said, it's just purely to make the calculations run smoother than what they have been. Um, I guess hot fixes and things like that have kind of kept a bandage over the situation through, I'm guessing probably they run into it through uh, Shadowbringers. Um, so they kind of have it patched up and then this is gonna this is gonna fix the problem. And And the really nice thing that they that they mentioned with this because it was kind of like well you know like oh we're gonna get weaker not so much they're they're making sure that this game goes for a long time is what they're aiming for and they mentioned that specifically is that we want to make sure they want to make sure that this game is going to be going on for another 10 years you know and that's that puts a lot of hope into the pockets for a lot of folks because um there's a there's a big love for this game out there yeah for sure yep so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be cool and and again the the news doesn't end there as we you know kind of mm -hmm. laid out the the big news or the the big pieces of information earlier on. Uh, one of the other additions that they're making is that there's gonna be new areas to to traverse, which I think we all knew was gonna happen, but uh, they did confirm it here. So we have some some major new areas which are gonna be Garlemald, Favnir. And I, I'm not, I guess the moon, right? Because the moon's that was confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was part of the, the key, uh, you know, trailer scene that they showed. So we are going to be going to the moon, which is really cool. There's some uh, very heavy vibes of Final Fantasy IV, mm -hmm. um, which is, which is going to be really cool to see some of that, um, you know, inspiration because we've seen Final Fantasy VI inspirations in, in some of, uh, some of these expansions. We've seen, uh, really from a multitude of game uh, of these expansions. We've had Final Fantasy V, VI, uh, there's been some seven references, and now we're getting a, a pretty heavy dose of four, mm -hmm. and also maybe a little bit of ten as well, as we see Anima is going to be a, uh, a primal that we're eventually going to have to face off against. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of references we get, not only from Final Fantasy IV, but also Final Fantasy X. Yeah, it's always one of the pleasures with this is the is the kind of uh, pullbacks from previous Final Fantasy games, and they and they draw things in, um, and yeah, it's been throughout throughout the series, everything from Final Fantasy one uh, up until I, mostly with thirteen and fifteen, it was kind of like here's special in-game items that you can get, so that you haven't had like specific pull from thirteen and fifteen, but everything except for Final Fantasy eleven has seen some sort of reference. Uh, except for Final, uh, what was it? Ten and eleven is pretty much what we haven't seen a whole lot from, mm -hmm. and now we're getting some Final Fantasy ten dipped in with Anima. At least, um, there's always still the hopes out there for uh, Blitzball at the Gold Saucer, and you know things along those lines. We're still have fingers crossed for it. So God, I I hope there's Blitzball. <laughs> uh, it's it's basically so we're making a team immediately, like immediately. <laughs> People are going after Sage, and we'd be like Blitzball. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
So we also have the Island Sanctuary, which we talked about a little bit earlier. This one that I'm super excited about because, like you said, it's like bringing uh, a piece of like Animal Crossing or Stardew Valley into Final Fantasy XIV, which is going to be absolutely incredible. You are, you know, you're essentially farming. It sounds like there's there might be seasons involved with it. Um, it doesn't require any any leveling with the Disciple of Hand or Land, which is like your uh, crafting and gathering classes so you don't need to have any experience in that to be able to enjoy your island sanctuary so super exciting i can't wait to just hop in relax farm away <laughs> and right. and do all the um all just that that super chill stuff within final fantasy 14 that's that's so exciting for me i, I love that because i'm a i'm a i'm huge into um Animal Crossing, which I've always been, you know, Stardew Valley, I've, I've always really enjoyed that. So this definitely it takes that lifestyle game and puts it into now this this huge MMO. So I can't wait to see more on that. I can't wait to get my hands on that. Yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be really fun. A lot of um, again, it's just another one of those things that everybody's ready to get their hands on. Um, what I'm trying to do right now is I had a little snippet from an interview i should have saved it that's what i so, should have done while you're looking that up i mean we can mm -hmm. just touch base real quick on on the other points since we did talk a bit about island sanctuary already so the the last major thing i wanted to talk about is the fact that there's going to be a ps5 version so for those that want to play on console this is a huge opportunity for you for those that were able to get a ps5 the, the challenge now of course is being able to secure a ps5 if you haven't already because you know, we all, we all know about the stock shortages on those consoles, and it's been a nightmare ever since launch. But if you do have one, there's some really great news here for you. So there's going to be a beta that starts on the PS5 uh, that's going to going to begin on April 13th, uh, which is the same day that they're going to launch the final patch of Shadowbringers 5.5. This will be the last major patch before 6.0 comes out. So April 13th going to be a real big day. And also for those that have already bought into the PS4 version, they are offering the PS5 version free, uh, for no additional cost. So you're not going to have to buy the game again if you already purchased it on PS4. So really huge news there. Really excited that they're doing that for the community and the people that have been supporting the game. So uh, yeah, just absolute big news there. I now really want to get it on PS5. <laughs> I... Uh, was that uh, I was telling you guys before, Kelly, she she used to play a little bit uh, mm -hmm. as my wife and she linked her uh, Final Fantasy 14 account to my PSN account, which once that's done, we didn't know this at the time. Once you do that, like you're basically locked in forever. There might be a super convoluted way to go and unlink those to be able to link another account, which I'm. Fingers crossed there is because I really want to do that. She doesn't play it anymore, but I would love to be able to, you know, go from playing on the PC to just chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool, playing some Final Fantasy 14 on my PS5. Right. Um, so I hope that's a possibility. It's nice because I have myself set up that way right now with the PS4 where it's like, okay, I can do, you know, my my big stuff here on the PC and then just swap over to the PS4 feed up and, and enjoy some of the slower pace or or more grindy grindy things along those lines. Yeah, imagine no, just I'm, sitting on the couch in your island sanctuary, man. Like, right. <laughs> how feed up? How relaxing would that be? 
Exactly. And and that's what, the, so I did find that thing. Uh, but first with the PS5, yeah, the big the big thing, uh, it was so awesome that they're like, hey, listen, if you have PS4 already, you're going to get the PS5 version for free, which is like, oh, so good. It's just another reason for me to get a PS5 five already, um, <laughs> if I can ever get one. Um, but it's a... Um, yeah, it's just a it's a nice it's a nice way to still enjoy Final Fantasy without actually having to set the computer to be able to do it. And um, uh, and even with with gameplay on the PlayStation, now I like I said I don't do any of the hardcore stuff there. I'm not going to go and fight fight a raid or uh, go go boss hunting on the PlayStation. It's a little bit of a, a a change for me going from mouse and keyboard to controller. But for a controller player like you, going to PlayStation is going to be like you know. Uh, what's a good analogy, riding a bike again or fishing water, that sort of thing. So um, it'll, be a, it'll be a nice little uh, more relaxing fun that you're going to be able to have there. So, yeah. yeah now, for me, I'm, I'm used to playing on, on GamePad. Now, I play on PC, but uh, I, so far, thus far, I've been playing exclusively with the GamePad and Xbox One controller. So making that switch to, to the console version uh, isn't really going to be an issue for me, which which will be pretty nice. But I know for you on PS4, one of the, the challenging things is what you were saying, uh, load times were a big one. Yeah. Uh, I, I know definitely can get pretty framey in some areas, uh, some more of the, the more hev- heavily populated areas and get some real uh, dips in frame rate. So that that's another thing. It's also not as aesthetically pleasing as the PC version is. So mm-hmm. getting it on PS5 is going to alleviate all of those. You're going to get uh, pretty much the same experience you would get on a PC. And if you get better. yourself, yeah, potentially. Um, yeah, because it, it's going to be 4K. It's going to be 60 frames a second. It's uh, taking advantage of the solid state drive. So mm-hmm. you're getting all those advantages of the PS5 console, uh, which, again, are, are things that you would have access to on the PC version. So, yeah, definitely, they, definitely big there. They're going to have two different modes, I think. There's like the 4K mode where if you mm. just want to get like sweet pictures and look at some great scenery and stuff, they have that 4K mode. And then I think it's a 2K mode that... Right. It's more focused on the frame rate, mm-hmm. uh, which is the one that I recommend. So, like, if you're going to go into this game, yeah, get the 4K is going to be nice. Maybe if you're just going to go take some pictures. But if you're running anything, if you're running any fights or anything along those lines, go for, opt for that 2K mode because your frame rate will directly affect how well you can escape mechanics. Um, I learn it, I've, I've learned this the hard way, and that's why I don't do things on the PlayStation 4 is because I... I don't avoid things as well as what I do whenever I'm playing over here on PC. I just don't have the frame rate to do it. It's it's quite aggravating because you get you're just gonna have a, a little bit smoother of a time doing battles in that 2K frame rate mode than what you will in the 4K mode with just kind of the beautiful graphics and things along those lines. So bear that in mind. Yep. So it's gonna gonna be just a great expansion. So many you know. Uh, uh, well, I guess even this is kind of coming before 6.0, but yeah, just a lot of really great, you know, sort of customer first moves they're they're doing. A lot of, uh, you know, good quality of life stuff that they're they're doing. Adding some great new content. Uh, it's going to be such a delight. I I love coming back to that game. I know I, I sort of play in bursts. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like you. I I, I do the, <laughs> just kind of short. You know, I'll get really into it for a little while and then I'll put it down for a bit and get back into it and put it down and. Whereas you, you're pretty much, you've been very consistent, very uh, 
constant with with your playing and, and hanging out with your community and your streams and everything and um, regardless of which play style you are uh, 5.5 the, the ps5 version 6.0 it's going to be perfect for any anyone you don't have to be a hardcore hardcore player to enjoy final fantasy 14 there's plenty to do for those that don't want to do those super high-end savage raids there's there's so much to explore and do uh it's going to be very exciting so totally. uh, before we move on to to our next topic here because believe it or not this show is not all about final fantasy 14 <laughs> uh we do have other topics to discuss was there any i yeah i found that article um or the, rather the interview okay um, oh right and couple couple key points to the island sanctuary is you're you're trading to earn gill uh by planting and growing specialty crops that have been cultivated and you'll sell them off right now the one cool thing that they put in here is that uh if you're not interested in trading um but only want to do it just to grow crops or specialties or whatever you can do you can also do it without uh facing any loss or penalties so you don't even have to like play the market in this as well um, and then also any of your minions, free to admire any of the minions you love and brought into, or just have fun growing animals you brought into the island sanctuary. So it's going to not only have like farming and cultivating, you know, uh, flora, but it looks like you're also going to have the ability to farm fauna as well. You get some, maybe some cows and chocobos. That'd be so awesome. Just oh, have a chocobo damn. farm. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, and what they say concept behind this is to provide players with a more slow life relaxing feel so make sure any elements uh of competing with other players is avoided so it's basically just kind of like this is your space go and hang out do what you want to sort of thing which is pretty neat you love um, to see then, it <laughs> yeah uh the only other thing i'll mention with this is uh for those of you that are raiders we'll have the new raid pandemonium uh which is steeped in final fantasy lore from final fantasy 2 and 9 uh, really good read back if you ever get a chance to go take take a look at it. And, of course, we have the new Alliance Raid series that's going to be coming up. Final Fantasy is known for some of its greatest three-part Alliance Raids. 24 per people running into the same place and running through some really great battles. Uh, so we'll be getting a brand new one um, specific to Final Fantasy. It's not going to be like Nier uh, that we ran into um, in Shadowbringers. Uh, so it's it's probably going to be full of all kinds of, of uh, neat little Easter eggs and things along those lines with that as well but that's that's all i got for that all righty so uh let's go ahead and move on to our next topic this is a pretty big one as well and in, in in my opinion at least so uh e3 is returning yes. this year 2021 as a digital event uh so already you know stating that it's not going to be in person which is probably for the best mm -hmm. but uh i pulled this story from ign uh it's from adam bankhurst and so we'll, uh, we'll read a little bit of this here. That, uh, the Entertainment Software Association, or ESA, has confirmed that E3 2021 will happen as a digital event. In a statement to IGN, the ESA has confirmed the return of one of the biggest video game conferences after its cancellation in 2020 due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. They say, uh, we can confirm that we are transforming the E3 experience for 2021 and we'll soon share exact details on how we're bringing the global video game community together. Spokes, um, that, yeah, that was a spokesperson from ESA. 
and they uh, go on to say, we are having great conversations with publishers, developers, and companies across the board, and we look forward to sharing details about their involvement soon. Um, see that Dude. Dude. <laughs> so just a, a little bit more here. It says the, the plan includes having multiple two-hour keynote sessions from game partners, an award show, a June 14 premiere night, and other small streams from game publishers, influencers, uh, and media partners. So yeah, uh, they, they did announce dates of June 15th through 17th of mm -hmm. this year, 2021. And, and like I said, uh, June 14th, we'll have a preview night. So yeah yeah uh e3's coming back i know it and i'm i'm really excited i'm uh, you know the digital event thing is kind of starting to grow on me a little bit especially if we can condense it and yep. i think that this is um this is that condensing that's going to start happening again right everybody was doing their own event last year it was a hot mess um and i think that providing this e3 platform again to publishers and developers to come in and do their announcement we're going to get everything pulled back into this one you know this this couple days worth of just stuff getting thrown in our face and blowing our eyeballs out of our head so i'm i'm ready for it i know garrett um he posted up in our discord is that he was a little, he's you know he's our he's our resident naysayer and he's not here to defend himself to <laughs> to say say so or not uh, but he basically he had said that except he he's not too excited about it because they're charging apparently they're charging devs six figures to be a part of this so um you know he asked the question why would you pay someone a hundred thousand dollars plus to show your video on a live stream and he considers e3 to be dead um i don't i think that because of how i what you have is yeah you have got these publishers and stuff like that marketing teams that can put together very you know, good things, E3's got recognition and they have the ability to manage the event for you. So they're basically your event manager. You can basically say, okay, here's 100K, here's my video, do your marketing with it. You know what I mean? Put it in place for me. I'm going to go continue working on these games. Right. Yeah. This is where, where everyone's going to be watching. This is your chance to get your game out there and to get eyes on it that maybe normally wouldn't if you just put a video on YouTube, right? So if you mm -hmm. want to sort of make a splash with your creation, this is this is the perfect place to do it. Yep. So yeah, it's I don't know, it's it it does seem like a lot of money to to be able to do that. And I know there was a lot of um a lot of people not really happy with the ESA last year and the way that things were being run. And this was even like pre-COVID, you know, the last few years, you know, we saw Sony drop out. We saw other companies sort of going off to do their own things, like not really wanting to participate with the ESA on E3. So that's where a lot of people were saying, like, it's dead. COVID just now put the nail in the coffin. So mm -hmm. they're saying, no, we're still going to do this, which, you know, I'm kind of glad for because, like you said, last year was a hot mess there. Everyone was trying to do their own thing. You know, so now, you know, the media outlets like IGN and GameSpot who are trying to do their own summer of gaming or, you know, whatever, whatever they called it, mm -hmm. uh, that's all going to get pulled into this more condensed area. And at first I thought it was great. I'm like, oh, my God, yes, we're getting so much news spread out through the entire summer that we're going to constantly have new things to see. And it just got to a point where as much as I love games and as much as I love uh like the news and the trailers and the hype it just kind of wore me down over time and it started to become white white noise to a certain degree where it's yeah, like okay like 
just not super interested anymore. Like, let's just, right. you know, let's try and keep it condensed and, and organized. And yeah, let's just do that. It got watered down. It got watered yes, down last exactly. year, you know, and, and having everything spread out. I know we had summer game fest and Jeff Keeley, yada, yada, yada. I get it. You know, so that's still going to be a thing. Keeley, yeah. he's not, he's not participating in E3 at all. He's still doing his own thing. So we're, we're essentially, we're going to have these two parallels. I doubt they're going to run side by side. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I, again, Keeley's probably going to have stuff running throughout the course of the summer, uh, you know, starting probably around that E3 time and then wrapping up with Gamescom, which is the same, like pretty much, you know, we can expect a repeat of last year from Keeley, which yeah. I'm sure is going to be a fan, but, uh, fantastic. How's that going to change his his stuff? Because let's say Keeley has planned for July, E three's coming in June. Do you think pr publishers and things are going to wait until July to do their gig with him to to give us the big announcements? You know what I mean? So like, it makes me wonder, it, it, Keely, like, does does Keeley come back? You know, does Keeley come back to E three with this announcement, or I, you know, does he run it this last year his Game Fest, see how things go? But if E three's dropping all this information on us in June and we're not getting his stuff until July, what's the point of watching his? You know, yeah. So basically, he he has to be able to compete with E three, obviously, and and E three we know is a a huge production, but Ke Keeley he he's got he knows people he's got tricks up his sleeves he puts on great content and great shows yeah. like we see with Game Awards every year. He's done the uh, the Gamescom thing a couple times, and maybe he just keeps it for Gamescom. Maybe he doesn't do it over the course of the summer, but we do know he's doing his own thing. I'm sure he'll find a way to make it work. I'm sure people will still be interested in tuning tune in. It'll just be interesting to see what kind of content he can get to sort of compete or run alongside E3. But I don't mm -hmm. think he's coming back to E3. I really don't. I think there was some... Uh, some pretty serious bad blood between him and the ESA that I just, I don't think there's any, any redemption there. Gotcha. Yeah. But we'll see. I'm hey, bring it I, back. I'm ready. I've been yeah, ready. I'll be happy to have it. Like I said, a, a more condensed experience, kind of that, get that, uh, traditional, you know, E3 thing going and, yeah, it may be digital. I mean, we watched the digital anyway. Right. We never traveled yeah. for it, right? So, like, give me, give me, what is it? Three, two days, two full days of keynote speaking um, from some of the bigger publishers. Yeah, you're probably like, I can almost see uh, indie stuff kind of getting, unless it's part of part of say like the, you know, Microsoft has a big indie backing with the Xbox, so like you probably see their portion of their indie platform in there and probably the same thing if Nintendo shows up with the treehouse or something like that. You'll probably see those indie things trickle in there, but some I think some of the smaller publishers might get left out on E3 with that with that high barrier to entry on that price tag. Um, but I think we're still going to get those big triple A drops from those big publishers. Um, including maybe some Bethesda, maybe we get some some new Elder Scrolls, you know, speculation can run rampant on this, but we've now got the We've got the event back, and I think we should all be excited and ready for it. Yeah, yeah, we'll be excited. I mean, last year we didn't get a chance to do, like, E3 predictions like, like you know, we've done for the past couple of years. And mm -hmm. so it'll be nice to have that, be able to bring that segment back and have that that hype and speculation and, and the rumors that, you know, tend to get leaked ahead of time. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – I'm ready, you know, it, it – 
it was definitely missed. I know a lot of people, they hate on E3, but you know what? When it comes around, everybody's into it. Everybody gets hyped. Yep, that's right. Everybody wants all the cool things, and I do too. Me so, too. So, yeah. So, we got that coming along the way. Um, so, uh, next story that we have here is something that, you know, maybe isn't big news to a lot of people, but I know for you and me, this is, um, <clears throat> this could be pretty big. And that's, you know, Jason Schreier, he, you know, basically stating that the fate of Anthem could be known very soon. We know that there is a, uh, you know, a lot of negative feedback when the game launched. And then we sort of got this promise that, uh, that it was going to get fixed, that we were going to sort of get that no man's sky treatment, um, for Anthem. And there's been no word of that recently. There's been some shakeups. People have left the project. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll find out soon whether they're going to decide, um, whether or not they're going to keep working on it. So yeah. So Jason Schreier from now at Bloomberg, uh, just to kind of kind of mention it, read a little bit here. Uh, Schreier says, This week, EA execu- executives will review the latest version of Anthem next and decide whether to expand the team or abandon the project. Um, said the people who asked not to be named discussing private information. The Anthem next team Im- includes about 30 people, Bioware said last year. People familiar with the project said it will need to expand to at least triple that in order to produce new content and continue attempting to overhaul the game. EA has not yet indicated whether it's willing to commit that kind of budget to revive a maligned game. Um, so Anthem Next includes major changes to the game's core systems and user interface. These people said it's not clear if or when these changes will be implemented in the version that's currently available to players. So yeah, so this is going to be, this review is going to be coming up here pretty soon. It'll be really interesting to know what um, what becomes of this because you and I we both really enjoyed this game. You played it longer than I did. I I kind of dipped out shortly after I hit the end game because the end game mm. was the real issue here. You play level one through thirty in that game, and it's a really great experience, really enjoyable, full of loot, full of upgrades, full of mechanized uh, weaponry, and um, you know the the flight, the exploration, really good time. But again, the end game was just so lackluster that uh, it, it created such negativity around the game that they felt they, you know, they had to revamp it, which I mean, they did. And I like the name for it too, Anthem Next, right? Because wasn't mm-hmm. that No Man's Sky first big overhaul? Yeah, their their next their largest one, which would have been back in what 2000, 2018? was No Man's Sky Next, and that was a it was a huge huge deal. And it's kind of them taking on that nomenclature for Anthem next. Um, it gives me that vibe. It gives me that that revive to a series that is really good, that has a, a this foundation of amazing, and just kind of adjusting it to to continue on that way. Um, heck, even even another game that we were talking about today, Final Fantasy fourteen, had the same thing with 1.0 getting swapped swapped over the Realm Reborn, completely overhauled the game with Yoshi P and gave us something that's now ten years old and hoping to continue for another 10 years. So I'm the my only concern on this, because I know Bioware would do it. Bioware would, in a heartbeat, go in, fix this game, give it to us, you know, with, with adjustments. My biggest concern with this is EA. 
Are they going to do the big company thing and say, well, you know, this game lost us this much money now. Are we really going to let's just ax it? You know, do the do the big money hungry company thing and just ax the whole thing. And that's what I'm concerned about with it. If they bring us a change, are you going to play it? Uh, probably. I mean, I, I would have to see what what all they're doing to it. I, I would definitely want to see what the uh, the the roadmap is for it and and, you know, how they're able to fulfill on the promise of making it a better game. I would definitely want to see that first. But, yeah, I mean, I would I would definitely be open minded to it. Mm hmm. Yeah, and, and you were mentioning the 1 through 30 experience. Like, it's it's that Bioware goodness, right? Like, it's that Bioware delicious story with uh, great gameplay and everything like that. And then you hit that end game, and it, it turns into a big slog. Because yeah. you're just, you know, for that much more amount of time that I put into it than what you did, which was, which was an excessive amount for what we had in Anthem, um, I only came away with maybe two two legendary pieces, something along that those lines, because that's what you're farming for. That's what you're grinding right. for is new legendary armor to take on bigger, badder versions of the endgame fights. And that drop rate was just abysmal. It was awful. It's like so bad. It, it was like a 2% drop rate on stuff. So you're sitting there, you're running this, these battles over and over again, and they're not easy battles. You got to work really well with your team. Um, and like, it's just like, where's, where's my stuff? Thanks for the two pieces. I'm going to dip out and wait for a little bit. And they still yeah. didn't. They gave us an event. Um, I went back for the event that they gave. Um, this would have been almost, probably almost two years now. I can't even remember whenever it happened. But they gave a, an end game event for people, and you went into it. It was, it was kind of cool. Like, it was a, um objective-based sort of situation. You and, your, you, know, you and the three other people that you party up with go in, complete certain objectives, fight certain bosses, and relieve the pressure of this storm that's developing. Um, and, it, you know, again, lackluster. No drops, uh, no special items coming out of it, no new glams or anything like that. It was just kind of like, here's this thing, go do it. But you're not really going to get anything out of it. And it's like, well, I did it two times, and I'm like, what's the point of this? There's just not getting anything out of it. So. Yep. But yeah, I again. This is like, I, I I'm with you. I'm gonna have to see what they end up having having in store for it if it even makes it to that point. Um, I almost feel like EA is gonna be like, Nah, guys, let's let's move you into <laughs> let's move you into focus back in on Mass Effect and let's get that story pumping again. So that yeah, so thing. tell me, just what what does your gut say they're gonna do? Uh, my gut's going to tell me that the Bioware team, these 30 people are going to go in there and they're going to say, hey, we're going to need like $3 million to do what we need to do to make this game a thing, right? EA is going to look at this and be like, well, can you do it for one? And Bioware is going to be like, no, because we can't hire as many people as what we need. I think they, what the articles say, they need like three times as many as what they have working on it mm -hmm. now. Yep. And it's just going to kind of die off. I don't... It, the base, if there was some sort of base at the beginning, you know, Hello Games and, and, and No Man's Sky is a way different situation to something compared to CD Projekt Red or EA, right? They're a small developer. And there was a base crowd to the game, myself included, who were fans of it whenever it came out, and we kept playing it. Uh, there were those who fell off because it didn't have everything that was promised, but they were going to give it to us down the line. So they just, they shut up, they got the work, and they released these things to us over time. I don't think Bioware is going to have the, um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? I don't think they're going to have that sort of uh, um, looseness is the best word I can come up with right now. The, the thesaurus in my mind is breaking. Uh, but basically, they're just not going to have that freedom. There's a good one. They're not going to have that freedom to be able to do that type of work like Hello Games did. And CG Project Red is another independent pr uh, publisher. So they do have a little bit of freedom, but they've, they're a bigger name publisher than what Hello Games is with Witcher under their belt and things like that. So that's where they're running into a lot of their issues is that they're a bigger name. They're getting punched in the face by the media. Hello Games was able to irk by because they were tiny and they had a good base to the game and big fans and over time were able to just kind of work on this thing. Bioware doesn't have that. They don't have the independence and they don't have the small time publisher under their belt to be able to do anything. And I think Anthem's going to die. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. That's my prediction on this. I'm going to, this is just the optimism in me, but I'm going to go the other way. And, and my gut's saying that they're going to find a way to make this work. And, you know, it might depend on how much is already done versus what still needs to be done. I would love, I would love to get a chance to see under the hood and see what they currently have created as mm -hmm. part of this Anthem next project that they're doing. But, you know, obviously we'll never get to see that, unfortunately. But um, I, I think in my guts, I want I think we should. I think we yeah. should be able to see that just as much as what these executives at EA get to see. I think we as fans should be able to see because ultimately it's going to be our money that buys this game, right? That's going to be kind of the barometers if we're able to see what these things are. And, and as a fan base say, yes, this is perfect. This is exactly what we wanted from the beginning. EA should do it. And they get this, you know, Twitter blows up about it. And, and, and us on podcasts are talking about it. And the chatter's out there. That's, I think, the redeeming factor of this whole thing is that the media and, and player base gets involved in the decision here. We're the buyers. We're the consumers, right? So, like, I think one of the biggest things that we can do is convince EA that, we're going to put our dollars towards this if you give us a game that works and has the drop rates that we want and has the end game content that we want and give us a game as service. Give us a competition to, you know, uh, Destiny. Give us that competition. We want it. I want it. Destiny is dead to me. It's it's so <laughs> terrestrial. It's so earth-based. It's, it's, it's linear. There's not a whole lot going on with it. Give me this three-dimensional... Uh, you know, Skyborn game as a service because it, it, it's got the foundation to it. I do want it. I just hope that the EA execs can recognize that they've got something, at least the foundation of something on their hands. And if that team can go in there, hopefully, hopefully they market well to them. That's, that's, I hope, I have the hope, but I'm expecting the worst on this one. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm choosing to believe that EA is sort of turning over a new leaf, right? We got mm -hmm. uh, Jedi Fallen Order, which was amazing. We're um, we're getting a new Mass Effect, a brand new Mass Effect game, which mm. is extremely exciting. So I, I have to hope that they're they're sort of looking at these and, and saying, okay, let's let's cre let's keep diversifying the games that we're putting out there. Let's keep you know uh, let's keep pushing forward. Let's keep creating these um, you know the basically non sports games, right? Like there's there's a, a known factor of games that they know work and are going to sell every year i want to believe that they're starting to get to a point where they're willing to take chances on games and produce new original content and if they can get anthem into a really good spot i mean that that's an original game that, that was a new ip when it came out and if they're yep. able to take that revamp it turn it into something special then and not even something special it doesn't have to 
be a 10 out of 10. It doesn't have to be the, the most amazing. Like, it, they don't have to Breath of the Wild it, right? They just have to make it interesting and something that people are going to want to pay, uh, pay for and play. So, uh, I, like I said, it, that's the optimist in me that I'm choosing to believe that they're going to take a chance on this game. But we have to wait and see. We'll hopefully know it, what, I guess, within the week. That story just broke yesterday, so uh, maybe by the end of the week or early next week, we'll we'll know. Yep, I'm, I'm I'll put my hope in in with you. I hope so, because it was good. Yeah, and if they do choose to to keep it alive, I hope that there's a trailer in the near future that we can see what it is. We can get an idea, and maybe that's maybe that's a way that they could go to kind of kind of gauge interest, right? Put out a trailer, mm-hmm. see what people think, and then maybe make a decision. But I guess if you put a trailer out, you're sort of committing to things. People are going to expect it. Um, but, you know, I just I just want to know. And I want to see what's there. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also wondering, too, because uh, what Schreier got this information from people who don't want to be named, right? Correct. So yeah, we, this was not supposed to reach the media. We have another one of those situations where, uh, you know, the big, the big company problem where people can't just shut up and work. Right. And I know that sounds terrible. It sounds awful of me to say it that way. But again, I move back to Hello Games on this is they just they just they're just quiet. Yeah, they were like they were like the real life version of that Homer Simpson gif where he just like fades back into the bushes. Yeah. Like disappeared. (laughs) And everybody's tweeting, tweeting Sean Murray. Where's what's where's the stuff you promised? He's just you hear nothing from him. And then all of a sudden an update comes out and everybody's like, oh. And then another one. Oh, and then and they win an award at the game awards. Exactly. And now we're here. You know, it's like it and Square did the same thing with Final Fantasy. They just kind of shut up. They drew back and they put in new new leadership. And then 2.0 came out and everybody's like, huh? And then 3.0 came out and they're like, whoa. And then 4.0 <laughs> came out and they're like, oh, OK. And then 5.0 came out and everybody lost their freaking minds. So like we have these we have these success stories and hopefully these these those who shall not be named didn't muck it up for us by by hey 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 Jason guess what we're we're gonna go and we're gonna figure out what's going on with Anthem so uh you know listen listen in on that it's gonna be coming soon it's like nah man just be quiet go do your work and let us see it you know that's what we're that's what we want that's the success story in these sort of things CD Projekt Red they kind of did the same thing they were like all right we're gonna work on this and then they kind of disappeared. Right. Yeah, wouldn't it be something? I know we talked about. I think it was last episode we were talking about it with the uh, the live action Zelda game that was supposed to come out, and uh, and then it got leaked, and Nintendo was like, you know what? Now you can't have this. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be funny if EA did that with with Anthem? They're like, right. This wasn't supposed to leak, and now that you did it, now no one gets to have this. Exactly. <laughs> you know, just kind of that that shrewd, mean style. Like, oh, yeah. all right, you wanted to leak. Well, now we're not doing it. Which so, is kind of the. Gigi. Yeah, that that's kind of the the personification I think that that we think of with EA too. I mean, they've canceled mm-hmm. a lot of very promising games, so you know who's to say Anthem won't be next, right? Yeah. So, uh, so speaking of you know bigger corporations, we mentioned CD Projekt Red a little bit earlier, so they're in some trouble right now. They recently These poor guys. Oh my gosh, it just gets worse. Um, yeah. Uh, so they and and you have to feel really bad for the people that work there um mm-hmm. not only because 
you know, they, they saw all the flack that came from this this game that they've been working on for for such a long period of time and it didn't release the way that it should have and there's a, a lot of blowback from that and you know they they you know basically took the blame for it all from the CEO of the company and you know and now this comes out so CD Projekt Red put out a uh, a oh gosh what's the word I'm looking for a, a release I guess uh, a little mm -hmm. Uh, blurb like or blurb. that yeah. yeah they put this out on twitter uh that says yesterday we discovered that we have become a victim of a targeted cyber attack due to which some of our internal systems have been compromised an unidentified actor gained unauthorized access to our internal network collected certain data belonging to cd, CD project capital group and left a ransom note the content of which we released to the content of which we released to the public Although some devices in our network have been encrypted, our backups remain intact. We have already secured our IT infrastructure and begun restoring the data. We will not give in to the demands nor negotiate with the actor, being aware that this may eventually lead to the release of the compromised data. We are taking necessary steps to mitigate the consequences of such a release, in particular by approaching any parties that may be affected due to the breach. We are still investigating the incident. However, at this time, we can confirm that, to our best knowledge, the compromised systems did not contain any personal data of our players or users of our services. We have already approached the relevant authorities, including law enforcement and the president of the Personal Data Protection Office, as well as IT forensic specialists, and we will closely cooperate with them in order to fully investigate this incident. So, uh, as we see here, to the best of their knowledge, this hasn't affected the players or users of their services. Obviously, this was a d direct attack at the company, uh, which included the uh, just a, a little bit from the the ransom note, as it as it is. Um, mm -hmm. We have dumped full copies of the source codes from your uh, per four server for Cyberpunk 2077, Witcher 3, Gwent, and the unreleased version of Witcher 3. So they have source code for these games that they can just dump out into the wild at this point. And that's just, it's so wild. And here CD project is like, uh, yeah, we're not going to negotiate with you and give you what you want. So um, really interesting to see how this works out. The, the thing that we have to be a little concerned about here is, um, you know, while, while it seems like the general user doesn't have to be concerned about their information, what about the people that work there, right? Yeah. Was yep. was any of their information gathered and compromised? And is CD Projekt going to do anything to help them if that's the case? If there's any sort of identity theft or account hacking, you know, whether it be personal or work or or otherwise, like how are they going to protect their employees after something like this? Are they going to do it? Are they not? Um, you know, how does that all work? So uh, hopefully they're we kind of have to hope that they're going to be transparent with that because they're, they've already sort of gotten a bad reputation of not being the best, uh, you know, the, the best at managing or maintaining their, their employees. Right. Cause all this stuff with crunch and, and things like that, there has um, been, been a lot of scandal with them recently. So if they turn around and they don't do anything to protect their employees after this cyber attack, then that's just another bad look for, for the company as a whole. 
So there's some there's some dangers to them directly involving themselves, legal stuff. So let's say, for instance, they do come in and they're like, okay, we're going to do all these things to protect your identity, Mr. Mr. Employee. And let's say there's something that within their methods that they do fails, then that employee can directly go after CD Projekt, right? So a lot of times companies to avoid that, which is, you know, it's crappy, but it's a truth. A lot of the times what companies will do to avoid that is they're going to they're gonna release recommendations to their employees, things to do in light of this. Talk to these people uh, along with this short list of different things that you can do at home, along with this short list of companies that can help you to lock down your info and protect your, protect your online identity, that sort of thing. So like, it, it's kind of touchy on what they're going to be able to do and what they can do. Um, I honestly, I'm looking at this situation, I'm looking at both the employees and I'm looking at the company as the uh, company themselves as a victim in this situation. Like it's awful. Like this is terrible. You know, this is something that I think purely because of what developed around Cyberpunk 27, this is 2077, this is the only reason this is happening right now, which is ridiculous. And um, yeah, someone, oh, my game wasn't good or I was playing on PS4 and now I'm going to attack the company. Yeah, like you get you get all, you know, upset and moany about a non-perfect experience. And instead of just waiting like everybody else for something good you go and do this you go and do this thing this thing that doesn't just affect the company it affects the people working at the company that put in work to give you the game in the first place like come on dude or 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 chick whatever you whoever whatever you are like what why you know you're putting there's just so much there that it doesn't seem like the smartest play if you're going to do something to get back at a company why why do it this way you know, because that's it, obviously they're not going to work with them. So you're not going to get what you want. And then they have backups of everything that they have anyway. And then there's going to be ways to circumvent the fact that the source codes are out there. They're going to be able to fix that problem, too. It's, it's a technology driven world. There's going to be a way to fix this problem without having to talk to to goofball hacker who decided that they wanted to, um, you know, get mad at not being able to play their game right away or something. You know, it's just it's. It, I, again, looking at CD Projekt and the employees, they're the victims in this. They do have a subtweet uh, or tweet within their, um, what, what do they call them on Twitter? I don't know. Uh, uh, just their thread. Within their yeah. thread, ex-employees are not affected at this time, or at least they don't think they are. And, you know, if they do have any sort of um, concerns or anything, they can reach out to the privacy team, too. And that's for the ex-employees. So, like, I I don't know. It, there. It, there had to have been a better way for for hacker to to do what they were trying to do. I don't know what they were expecting to happen, but this is just like now. The thing is, is like the data's done. He's got the information. Hacker can go to the dark web and sell it probably for millions of dollars, right? So like that's that's all that's all done. the The best thing that CD Projekt can do is again after this release. Thanks for letting us know, CD Projekt. Okay, this is a big deal. Feel bad for you, but now it's time to just. Zzz- fix it lock it down right they have your source codes fix that and i hope that that's what they're doing is that they're just zip it get back to work you know yeah yeah i mean i don't know anything about game development or business for that matter so i don't know what all they can or will do but uh again hopefully uh, i'm hoping that they're at least transparent throughout the process that uh people are informed that they can um make informed decisions and maybe um, 
you know, just kind of be put it in in a position where we can be a little bit sympathetic or, or empathetic towards CD Projekt and, um, you know, just basically not be a bunch of uh, crybabies and, and hate mongers and issuing mm-hmm. death threats, but um, try and just let them do their thing and, um, you know, just wait, wait and see what comes of it and make sure that it, people are protected. Pe- yeah, it's people working there. It's people, you know, and they're doing their job the best they can with what they have. And, you know, my PS4 sounds like a rocket ship. I wasn't going to play Cyberpunk on it anyway. I made that decision that I'm going to wait on Cyberpunk <laughs> until I have something that can run it efficiently. You know, and, and that's, that's on me as the consumer. I can't blame CD Projekt that their game doesn't run well on my system. It's my system's old. That's it. You know, I feel I feel bad for him in this. I feel bad for him for what they went through with the release of the game. I feel bad for him with what's going on with the hack. And I just hope that it doesn't distract from people are working there. They're putting time and effort from their lives into a video game that we all want to enjoy. And I just I, I want that to be respected. That's my that's me on my soapbox right now. And that's it. <laughs> Well, I have to I have to disagree a little bit. I I think uh, the the way that it launched on PS4 and Xbox One was very much their fault. They chose not to do any further delays to make sure that they had a quality product. Now, of of course, it's not going to look or run as well on PS4 as it was going to on PS or yeah PS5, uh, Series X or PC. Like those are always going to be the superior platforms. But uh, to just totally let an entire you know sort of generation of console be unplayable for the most part like that that's totally on them like it could have been delayed people would have been upset of course but i think that the majority of the populace were like hey you know it's been delayed several times already cd project red do your thing make this game good and I think people would have been understanding, but I think it was it was just gross negligence on their part that the game launched on those platforms the way that it did, and they could have done it a whole lot better. So I think I think people being upset with them for that is is well de- well deserved. Um, I I don't think that anybody should look at this and be like, yeah, CD Projekt, you got what you deserved. You deserve to be robbed in your source right. code. Like I don't think that. Like, let's calm down, everybody. They are. We know that they're working on it. There's been some post-release patches. They're working on the big ones. They are coming. Don't don't do dumb shit like this. Like, yeah. <laughs> let them do their thing, and your game will will be fine. You know. And in the end, it's just a game. Exactly. Yes, maybe you put money into it, but give it time, and it is going to be patched. It's going to be maybe not perfected, but It'll be made playable. It'll be made better. A lot of your parents or grandparents went out and spent money on E.T. the game for the Atari. They didn't run out and burn the place down because <laughs> of it, right? They just they took the blow and said, you know what? This is awful. Let's go Let's go play Pong, right? So God, like, that game's a wreck. Yeah, it's so, I actually, you know, it, it, it's just, you just, it's fine. Everything's going to be fine. It's just a game. It's just a game. Just a uh, quick, quick anecdote. Um, I actually watched one of the streamers that I follow. Uh, he he sort of had a, a weekly incentive, and uh, his his community met it, and he ended up playing ET and a, and a couple other Atari games on stream. And I tell you what, man, watching that game 
woof. Like he knew what he was doing. He's he's played. He's he's for sure beaten this game before. He mm. knew exactly what he had to do. And even watching someone that has knowledge of that game play it, I I'm still like, this game is so bad. It's awful. It's a wreck. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. People didn't go stealing source codes and they didn't go issuing death threats like yeah so be be better everybody yep exactly exactly so um so yeah so that's that's all the stories we have um so we'll start wrapping up the show here have have you been playing much of anything uh just the same old right now uh we've got because my next new release i'm gonna be picking up is gonna be um super mario 3d world plus bowser yeah yeah that's gonna be coming up um so it's just been the same thing as what i've been playing last time so final fantasy 14 working through the new patch stuff on that um doing some stardew valley i did though in stardew valley i finally got my first harvest of ancient fruit and star fruit iridium star uh wines oh my gosh <laughs> it was so much money i was like whoa so that was pretty awesome um and then just doing an hour or two in atelier uh rise of two and that's uh that's what i'm up to how about you yeah i actually haven't been playing too much um see i i i played through Donkey Kong Country, which I played through before. I actually I did it on stream, and uh, I'm actually going to be starting my very first playthrough of Donkey Kong Country Two on stream coming up this week, and that'll be then of course followed by Donkey Kong Country Three, which I've also never played before, and games that people seem to to really like. And um, you know I think I think Two is pretty much widely regarded as the best of the three. Um, I think. I, I'm not. I'm honestly not sure why I never bothered to play it, but I am gonna play it now. I'm gonna see what all the fuss is about. And um, when was when was that released? Oh gosh, I couldn't even tell you. There's probably a good reason. I don't even really remember when the first one was released. To be honest. Donkey Kong Country Two. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, yeah, I don't think I really got into anything else this this week. 1995. Wow. What else released that year? Because I can almost guarantee you that there was just something else that stole our time away. And we never went back to the... Never went back to the Donkey Kongs. And 95, that would have been... I feel like that might be pretty... Pretty late in the life cycle of um, Super Nintendo. Yeah. Because uh, N64 came out not much longer after that. On this list, we've got... Chrono Trigger. Yeah, I was going to say Chrono Trigger would have been one for sure. I'm trying to see what else there would have been. Chrono Trigger wouldn't would have done it. Like that would have single-handedly taken up a lot of time on on Super Nintendo. Yeah, but we never we never we never owned it on Super Nintendo at least when it came out. I think we we probably I, I mentioned this on another episode or or maybe it was uh Level Grinders, but yeah, I think we pretty much had that like on on permanent rental just about. So mm-hmm. uh, for sure, it was being played. But yeah, I'm thinking there there might have been something else out there too at that point. But yeah, that's pretty close, I think, to the Nintendo 64 and PS1 re- like launches that. Yeah. You know, we we might have been playing those instead. Trying to think, Mario. Trying to think when Mario RPG came out. 
That might be 96 or 90s. I think that was it. I think it came out the same year that the N64 did. And I know, we definitely had that game. And yeah, we did. Played the hell out of that game. Great game. Uh, let's see. Virtual Console for you in 2015. That doesn't seem right. Wii U? That would have been uh, 96. So it came out in 96. Yeah, I just think that we might have been piled up with a whole bunch of other stuff that we were playing, and that's why we not, never got to the other Donkey Kong series. Yeah, and... But you are now. That's I exciting. am now. Yep. Yeah. Maybe the first time. So, so yeah. So for those that want to watch me play through that, uh, twitch.tv slash adampalooza85. You can see me either... Uh, be awesome or be terrible at it and it's probably, probably gonna be awesome probably no in between <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in between yeah no in between it's no in between be super great yep we're an absolute bomb all right so let's get into our question of the week then so last week we asked the question what is your most or sorry no that was before uh how long <laughs> do you play a game before you decide to give up on it so if, uh, if a game just really isn't grabbing you, how long will you give it before you just set it down and walk away? So we got a couple answers here. We had uh, Brian Paquin on Twitter said, I don't think I can quantify by hours. It's more by feel. For example, Pokemon Sun, after the third hour of handholding, I think I gave up because I wasn't accomplishing anything on my own. I think I decide if a game is for me by the end of the tutorial. So that's, mm. that's a pretty good take there. Yeah, And then uh, we get a couple responses on Discord as well. A uh, friend of the show, Nishan, I guess all these people are friend of the show, really. Mm -hmm. um, Nishan says, if the gameplay is bad, I'll give a game 30 minutes to hook me with a story. Otherwise, I'm out. If the gameplay is good, but the story is so-so, I'll give about three to four hours to see if it picks up. Totally makes sense. Uh, James Holiday says, I usually give the game a good three to four hours. If it hasn't hit me by then, it is safe to say it won't be clicking. There are too many games nowadays that have the, oh, you just have to get past the first part problem. So I'm generally pretty patient. And, you know, I know we've talked about that with, uh, you know, games like Ghost of Tsushima and others where it's like, okay, if you just play up to this point, it gets really good. But, mm -hmm. you know, getting to that point might be longer than some people are willing to invest. Uh, and then lastly here, we have Taylor the Savior who says five to eight hours usually I'll put in a reasonable amount more if the person recommending me the game really wants me to stick it out though. So a lot of good well, answers there. Yeah, um, pretty fair. How about you? What's, what's your take on that? So I've mentioned before about how I choose to buy a game in the first place. There's sort of this gut feeling that I have about a game that I know I'm going to get hooked on it and I'll make the purchase. So let's say my gut's wrong whenever I get the game. Uh, the most recent example is going to be Ghost of Tsushima. I was like, I'm ready for this. Now, the game is good. You don't get me wrong, but the plot just was not there for me. Um, I took it to the end of Act 1, basically. Got through to the first, I guess it would be the first castle that you go to liberate. Liberated that castle, saved my uncle. And it was basically at that point that I was like, you know what? This just does not have what I need from the story. Uh, between being railroad into ghost mode and the kind of, uh, I, how can I explain it? Maybe lackluster s samurai tale, I guess you could say. It kind of just, I, I 
I did do a little bit more into into the second act just because you guys kept on telling me, oh, act two, act two, act two. Um, but I ended up just getting lost in the world again. So I never got into <laughs> any of it. And now it's now it's sitting collecting dust. So I, you know, I give it that first part of the game, that first act, get through the tutorial because that's going to be your hand holding and stuff like that. And then your first act is going to lay everything out for you. It's going to introduce characters. It's going to introduce the area. It's going to introduce plot. And if by the end of an act one of a game, I'm not like, this is it, then I'm usually putting it down at that point. Yeah, that's fair. And and really, that's, you know, especially for Ghost of Tsushima, like you definitely put in a decent amount of time to try and get to that point to, to let it hook you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I would Skyrim's say... another one, too, that was like that. I put a lot of time in the Skyrim, but like the story never hooked me and it never kept me in the world. So it was like... Now, I remember with that, you had a save file that got corrupted, didn't didn't you? Yeah. Didn't you have, like, a wizard build that just went totally, like, kaput? Yeah, but even still in that playthrough, in every playthrough I do, and in my most recent one, I'm like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stick to the story. I'm finally going to beat this game. I still got more interested in what was going on in the world than what I did with the plot of the game, and it was like, why do I do this to myself every two to three years? <laughs> well, I don't. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, though. Like, I'm. I'm sure these these developers they want their world to be that interesting that you you go off and do these other things instead of the uh, you know the main scenario. So I think uh, on one oh, hand, yeah. that's that's a compliment yep. to to the creators of these games. Oh yeah, it definitely is. Like I'm not sitting here and saying that Skyrim or Ghost of Tsushima or. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of some other games. Those are my two biggest ones that because they're recent. I'm not saying that these games are terrible. They're they're some of our best that we've had released. You know, within last generation, um, undeniably. It's just that their plot didn't hook me, and a plot's going to keep me playing, not yeah. this beautiful big open world. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think for me, um, just to kind of echo what some of these other responses were like that sort of like four to five hour range for me. I'd say like, if I had to give it a number, that's probably what I would, what I would put it at is, is about four to five hours. Um, the most recent example I can give is, is the medium, which honestly, I, I didn't even give it four hours. I probably gave that closer to two, mm. um, which, I, which I might give it a little bit more time, but I, I keep hearing people say that like, no matter how much time they put into it, it's just not grabbing them. And so I, I don't know that I'll get back to it, but, um, but yeah, I'd say on, on average, it's probably about four to five. Now, here's a question for you. Which one, which one do you think coming up this year is going to be that, that game for you? Do you have any, any thoughts on that? The one that's Um, just like, you're going to get it. There's a lot of hype behind it and it's just gonna be like, Oh, well, maybe not. (laughs) That is a good question. So let's let's take a second to think about what all's what all's coming out this year, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I mean, big ones like God of War, Breath of the Wild two, uh, Horizon Forbidden West, probably. Um, if I like, I'm just trying to think what all's coming out that I could, because those all seem like you know bangers. Like the, you know, I don't think I would. I would say though, like I almost I almost fell off with horizon zero dawn mm. almost fell off of that one so if forbidden west doesn't bring it then i'd say that could be one where i just don't make it the whole way through where you know again it could be a really great game and a fun world to explore 
but I could potentially see that. Now, I'm, I'm sure I would give that more than four to five hours. But uh, again, if they don't absolutely bring it, there is a possibility that I could foresee that I don't finish that game. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a fair point with that one, because like, I don't know how you beat the plot of Horizon Zero Dawn. Like, how do you beat that? How do you beat that story? <laughs> yeah, it was or so even good. even compete with it. Even compete with it. And now, like, I'm, I'm ready for this game. I love Horizon. And I think I mentioned it when we were doing our Fantasy Critic. If they do this story right, like, we've got a series on our hands, right? Mm-hmm. But if they end up botching this in some way where it's just not anywhere near as interesting as what Zero Dawn was, we've, then, you know, we've got a flop. Uh, mine's mine. I can I can almost guarantee is going to be uh, Breath of the Wild two. I can almost Ooh, guarantee it'll be Breath of the Wild two. Bold. Yeah. Sorry, Nishan, but Breath <laughs> of the Wild two. Um, Breath of the Wild one was was decent. I never beat it. I never beat it. But I didn't get Skyrimmed on it. It was more like the Wii U died and I couldn't play it anymore. That's pretty much what happened with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so Breath of the Wild two. I could feel that being the one that I end up starting and probably end up not finishing. That's going to be my prediction for myself. Yeah, I just I can't foresee me doing that with Breath of the Wild. Uh, man, I, I even watching uh, watching Nishan replay through the original Breath of the Wild, which I can't believe is like four years old now. Like how I know. how the hell is that game four years old already? Right. Like I feel like it just it feels like it just came out. Another um, one of those just absolute bangers of a game that we had oh, yeah. this past generation. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, I think that game, oh my gosh, I, I'm so excited for that game. I can't wait. Good deal. So, all right. Uh, so just one last thing here. Call, call to arms for the uh, question of the week is, um, I, I don't think we, we came to an exact decision on this, but maybe, um, you know, relating to eight, E3, maybe... F- uh, let's go with what would be your your big hope to to have revealed at E3. What's your and and this might you know we might have a similar question later on in the year as we get a little bit closer. But as of right now, you know of all the games that maybe aren't announced, what would you want to what would you want to see get announced at E3? That's what would be one. your completely out of left field Gatorade get hype moment as of right now? It's not a prediction, not a prediction. Right. Just what you want to see happen. E three's coming back, bigger, badder than ever. We, What's that well, big out of maybe. Left field one? <laughs> maybe we don't know yet. We have we're to... pretending right now. All of this speculation right now. <laughs> we're pretending that <laughs> <laughs> they're going to have fireworks and it's going to be a big thing. Yep. Huge cardboard, success. Cardboard cutouts in the stands. You know that sort of deal. Super Bowl of gaming is here. You got it. All right. So let's go ahead and wrap up the show there. Uh, Steven, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash lordlykingsdot, as well as on Twitter at the same name and Instagram. Uh, I'm live Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to about 12-ish, 1-ish Eastern times. And then, actually, this week is pretty special because I'm going to be kicking up. If you do want to see what some of that, you, you get a great view. You get a view of casual gameplay in Final Fantasy XIV in my morning stream. 
And then in my evening stream starting at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday through Friday, you'll get a look at what that high-end rating looks like because I'll be getting into that this week starting uh, tomorrow. So pretty exciting. But that's where you can find me. That's what I'm doing. How confident are you in your new current content rating skills? How are you feeling about that? I I need to do it. You know, um, I've learned something about rating in Final Fantasy, <clears throat> and you can do all the preparation and thinking about it all you want and watch all the videos and guides that you want to, but until you actually get into the fight, you don't know anything. So based off of my experience with, with Savage Raids now, I'm, I'm about 85% certain that I'm gonna be successful with the team. Um, the rest of that, that, that last 15% or so is just my own self-doubt which comes along with, with me in this type of this type of content. I'm not very confident in my ability, but um, I end up doing really well. Um, so it's, it's just my own, my own little self-doubts that I'm wrestling with right now. But 85% sure uh, we're coming out with some good wins this week um, after we get everybody settled into place and introducing, because it's, it's me along with two others that are new that are coming into the team. So anytime you have a player swap, within these fights, there is a hump to get over, to get everybody warmed up and used to how each other plays and things like that. It's, 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 um, it's like that, it's like that competitive, it's like competitive gaming, but it's not competitive. You're just, you know, you're competing with the game basically, but it's, it's, it's like that. You've got to, you got to feel your team out, get the chemistry down, see how people are moving around and, and, um, get to know the mechanics of the boss and things. It's a dance. So it's just a matter of, um, you know, Hey, I, I, uh, a good analogy is my Manderville dance. I did 16 hours of work on practicing <laughs> to do the Manderville Mambo for stream. Um, it's going to be very similar to this. It's going to be putting the work in, practicing, getting to know everybody and how they fight and play and, um, you know, taking down the boss. But 85% certain we're going to win. That last 15% is me just being down on myself. <laughs> and that's it. Well, hey, 85%, that's pretty good odds there. And we'll be uh, anxious to, to, to hear how it goes on, on the next episode. Yeah, I'll definitely keep you guys surprised. So, yeah, so everyone uh, follow uh, Stephen at those spots he mentioned earlier. You can find me on uh, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram at AdamPalooza85. You can also follow the show on twitch.tv slash gamesarefunpodcast, uh, gamesarefunpod on Twitter, gamesarefunpodcast on Facebook, and uh, on Discord, go to invite.gg slash gamesarefun. Join our Discord and engage with us in gaming discussions. You can talk about TV, movies, food. Uh, we've had fantasy football. So lots to talk about besides games. If you just want a uh, fun and welcoming community to, to be a part of, you can join us there. So. You get some nice knee-jerk reactions out of us, too, with some of these stories. Because a lot of yeah. times when we're coming into the podcast, we're prepared. We've got notes. We've got the articles. And there, the news story will get, it'll break in the Discord, and we'll have like these knee-jerk, you know, hot takes that we'll have out on these, on some of these stories. They may make it into the show, they may not. You'll definitely see them in the Discord, so at least get in there uh, so that you can join the conversation with us. Yep, be a good time. But uh, for now, thanks everybody for tuning in. We will catch you on the next episode. Have a great day.